0: This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield.
1: The Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo, I'm Guy Clark, welcome along. A week out from the Reds returning to pre-season, preparations are well underway, but what is left in Jurgen Klopp's entry? We'll discuss the Reds' need for another player with one more out in Portugal linked to exit rumours around Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and explore the contract conundrums with Salah Firmino, Milner, Cater, and Ox amongst those heading into the final 12 months of their deals. To get into all of that we have the O Squires, the Bram boy Matt Addison and sneaking in at the far post David Lynch. Chaps, I do trust you're all well and uh, Theo going to get straight into the transfer line over the course of the weekend. Another player out in Portugal, Otavio this time, a, a player who's been long time rumoured to have been of interest to Liverpool. Leeds United at the moment aside side credited with interest and Porto, if reports to be believed, were hoping that that was going to see Liverpool enter the market. Where are we?
2: Uh, where we are is apparently... Zero interest from Liverpool at all. Our information is uh, it's entire fabrication from somewhere in Otavio's camp. Uh, it was strange how like Liverpool have been linked with them for a while, and you saw these rumours come up again at the weekend. And I'll oh, have a look into that. Planning to ask the question today. Is that he's twenty-seven? Doesn't really seem like the sort of player Liverpool would go for. He plays right wing so I'll, I suppose the versatility there because you can play in the center is a, a salar understudy, but you've got Harvey Elliott there. But then, even before I got the chance to um, ask the question, I'd already been given the answer from the club was yeah, it, it's not true. No interest from them. Uh, they believe it's. From someone in Otavio's camp trying to drum up interest, get a bit of uh, publicity around him. Like you mentioned, Leeds there. Maybe it's trying to try and sort something else without works Liverpool's name's always going to have that big of a pull, isn't it? It's always going to be used to get interest from elsewhere. And you think, well, Liverpool could need players in those positions. They've looked to Porto and the Portuguese market before. But yeah, in this case, it seems to be two plus two equals five.
1: Yeah, Matt, we, we did an Agenda podcast yesterday talking about Liverpool's interest in the Portuguese market and Julian Ward's work there in particular. I mean, I suppose that's the only real element of this rumour that you kind of then begin to think, oh, could it be something that's going to happen given it's a player out in Portugal, given, I suppose, Liverpool's liking for signing players in that division at the moment?
3: Yeah, I mean from what I've seen of of the player, it seemed to make a little bit more sense to to me than I know Theo says he obviously plays out on the, the right hand side. No, he can play in midfield, can play across the, the front three as well. So to me it, it kind of made a little bit of sense in terms of, of a footballing side of of things, but obviously Liverpool have been saying now for, for a week or two that they think they're finished in terms of, of incomings, obviously that could change if, if something exceptional came to to the fore. But it, it does seem like that is going to be the the case now for the rest of, of this summer, obviously, moving into to future transfer windows with with other targets. But yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe this is just one of those that it kind of made a bit of sense in that sense. It made a bit of sense as well in terms of it being Portugal. And obviously, we know Darwin Nunez and Luis Diaz have been players that Liverpool have looked at as we discussed yesterday, there's you know, plenty of, of examples of players who've been able to make that step across to the Premier League from Portugal and, and be a success fairly quickly. So maybe, you know, it, it was just a case of it made a, a bit of sense for for Atabio's camp to, to kind of position themselves as, as a possible Liverpool target. There is obviously that Luis Diaz example as well to, to look back on, I think. You know, the, the story from Portugal was that Leeds United have made a bid and obviously we know that when Luis Diaz was on the market and Tottenham and West Ham and one or two others came to, to to sort of bid for him, Liverpool then hijacked it. Again, maybe that was a kind of narrative that it was fairly easy to feed into that maybe Liverpool could do the same here. The fact that somebody else had come in for him, Liverpool have been linked with him in the in the past, of course, as well. Last summer, we we spoke about him as, as a potential target. Maybe it it did make a bit of sense in that, I mean, for me it it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been a crazy shout for liverpool to be interested but as theo says it's a, a fairly definitive response this morning that they're not interested and yeah i'm sure he, he certainly won't be the last portuguese or player in portugal to to be linked with liverpool i'm sure
1: uh, dave is it a case then maybe that i suppose there's no smoke without fire not Specifically on this deal, but people thinking that Liverpool are, are still in need of that midfield player. That then you get people looking around, going, "Oh, actually, if they need a midfield player, that that's maybe the kind of profile they would want." And therefore, that's kind of where you get get clubs like Porto hoping Liverpool are going to bite and come into the market.
0: Yeah, possibly, but I think that sort of misunderstands the profile of midfield that Liverpool will ultimately, I, I believe, go for. And uh, you know, Octavio is more of a sort of attacking midfielder, winger type. Um, than sort of an orthodox central midfielder, which I think is what Liverpool, if they do go to strengthen there in the next sort of 12 months or so, we don't expect it to be this summer. But if they do, when they do eventually strengthen there, it'll be probably more someone who would be a a sort of Henderson successor, that type of, of player, really. So I think, you know, I, I, I don't really understand when these stories come out. Obviously, I I, I agree that sort of maybe it's come from Otavio's side to sort of drum up interest, but I don't know how sort of effective these sort of stories are really in terms of smoking out interest. So, for example, when Liverpool sort of went for Luis Diaz, I don't think that Julian Ward was flicking through the papers and, and saw that, that Tottenham might be in for him and thought, right, we've got to pull the trigger now. I think it's more a case of, well, we know for a fact, in fact, that, that he was notified by the player's agent that, that this was happening and that there was some availability in the January window and that. That Prompted Liverpool to act. So I don't know really how effective these these stories are. I think it's maybe sometimes a case of, of agents wanting to sort of, I don't know, sort of raise their their clients standing in, in the in the wider consciousness. That I don't necessarily think they work on clubs, but yeah, it's it's, a, it's another interesting story, but quite an easy one to to knock down really for a, for a number of reasons as we've have gone through there.
1: I thought Julian Ward was sat there each morning waiting for the paperboy to come and drop the Echo, <laughs> before, tuning into the Blood Red podcast and, uh, and waiting for the news. That Hi, went. Julian. Yeah, exactly. There we go. Uh, Theo, regardless uh, on this still not happening, what's your your stance, your view yourself in terms of Liverpool's midfield? Last year, were they fortunate in terms of a number of those players who have struggled with injury? I'm thinking the likes of Cater, Alex Oxley-Chamberlain, we'll talk about as well. Even even Jordan Henderson and Fabinho, to an extent, they've been players who over the last few seasons have had injuries, but by and large, stayed injury-free. Or is that me kind of, not paying credit to the great work that the, the Liverpool medical team do in keeping these players fit for as many games as they do?
2: Uh, probably a bit of both, if we're honest. It's one where when Liverpool look to sign players, they do look for these players with the profile of staying injury-free and they've been a bit unlucky with the likes of, say, Cater or Oxlade-Chamberlain, where they get, um, in Cater's case, these knocks that just keep them out for a while. Oxley chamberlains had a couple of bad ones, but it's not as though they're, they're injury-prone players. Um, you can say it was luck on Liverpool's part, but then on the complete opposite of that, uh, it was the worst possible luck the year before when they had all their, their centre backs struck down. Um, you need it, that bit of luck in sense of injuries. You can have what well, they've got eight senior midfield options. They could rise that to nine, ten if you include say Carvalho, if you include Tyler Morton, Leighton Clarkson is still knocking around. They've got plenty of midfield bodies, and you expect to pick up a few injuries as you go along. But there should be enough there to cover it. It's only if there's a big crisis that's going to come unstuck. They nearly got close to that big crisis. I think we're talking November-December time when you're seeing Tyler Morton start against Tottenham. But then for the first time in years, Liverpool just had half a season where pretty much everyone was fit. They had the occasional knock. Thiago missed a few weeks after the League Cup final. But for the majority, the the medical team were doing a brilliant job patching them up and getting them to go again. This is a case where they were not really been able to train properly loads because it was playing Saturday, playing Tuesday, playing Sunday, playing Wednesday, every single week. Um, yeah, it's maybe a bit of a gamble going into this season. You're relying on not get injuries again, but so is every team in football across the planet. No matter how big your squad is, you're hoping your key players don't get injured. You can't sign another two midfielders in case some of your eight get injured just to cover it. You can't have reserves for reserves. You have your players there, you think make up the squad. And then if you really need to turn to the kids, you turn to the kids. But then there are versatile options there that can cover it if there's an emergency. You can change formation as we've mentioned on podcasts in the in the past. If Liverpool really are feeling the sting a bit, well, they can do four, two, three, one, have another number ten in there when they've got the players for that formation. They're covered. They don't need it when you've got eight there. The question is then the quality. But for obvious reasons, they've done this overhaul on the strikers this year and the front line, the midfield is going to be the priority in 2023 it makes sense to wait when you look at the options they have got and we're going to go on them in a bit, as you said, with Cater and Oxlade-Chamberlain, Milner, they get another year out of this and then they can reassess the whole of the situation, see who's available and move from there.
1: Yeah, okay. I, I suppose I take the, the point there in, in terms of The numbers perspective but even then Matt do Liverpool actually have enough because you look at what was so brilliant in the back end of last season was having so many options available and with five substitutes available across the board now in the competitions surely that's where actually another stellar name could be thrown into the mix to actually keep the competition for places so rife all the time and actually make it I suppose, a, a real accomplishment for the likes of Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott to break into that team as opposed to them the maybe getting some minutes by default of if players do get injured.
3: Yeah, I think that's, that's a little bit harsh, I think, on the talents of, of Curtis and Harvey. I think they're both players that we're going to see a lot more of this season, deservedly, regardless of, of whether Liverpool were to, to bring anybody in. But I take your point and I think to a certain extent. I think Liverpool probably went into the summer thinking that as well. We obviously saw that they looked at Aurelien Chouameni who's obviously gone to to Real Madrid. There was a kind of a look at that kind of of profile of of midfielder and obviously they weren't going to spend the money that Real Madrid have ended up spending on him but there was certainly an interest there. They, They liked the look of him and I think that kind of shows you really that if the right player is available that know at the right price of, of course as well that there, there would have been potential for, for something along those lines to happen but the fact is we all know the name Jude Bellingham isn't going to be available this summer is going to be available probably next summer for a big fee but possibly a fee that could still be be worth waiting for and I think you know for, for Liverpool they've they've done it in the past haven't they they've waited they've got the right moments to to, to come in and, and get these big players in and take the next step and Frankly, if if Liverpool didn't think that they could get Bellingham this summer, but they can next summer, I think that's probably a plan that you've got to trust them with. I mean... I know there's been some sorts of, of comparisons really with obviously they went into to the season a couple of seasons ago a little bit short at the back because they wanted to to wait for Ibrahim Akonaté but I just don't think it's it's a similar situation it, it was exceptional in itself that they had so many injuries at the back at, at that time I don't think anyone would have predicted that that was the case but even if you get two or three season-ending injuries in midfield it's, it's still not quite the same in terms of, of the numbers of, of bodies that you've got in there so I think ideally Liverpool would have got one more. I do think if the right player became available, then there is room for that. But I don't think it's necessarily a, a massive, massive concern going in. And obviously, you've got that kind of character at the end of it. Of, if you do wait, well, possibly there's, there's Jude Bellingham to, to kind of be the prize for that. So I think it makes sense to, to an extent. There is an argument to, to say that they're taking a little bit of a risk. But I think at worst, it's probably a calculated gamble that, that could really pay off. The Blood
0: Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I suppose
1: when you you think of the four four main contenders, I suppose, David, for those midfield spots of of Henderson, Tiago, Fabinho, and Cater, all of them do have kind of a checkered injury history in terms of how long they can sustain fitness for. But equally, this year, The scheduling and how the fixture list is. What is it? 16 Premier League games before the World Cup. There'll be six Champions League group games as well as potentially, what, three Carabao Cup games within all of that. So it's effectively 25 games to ensure the gamble pays off. And then whether it is a case of what happened with Luis Diaz last winter, maybe even there'll be a possibility in the winter window to address it.
0: Yeah, I think I, I wouldn't rule that out just because we've seen it before that they, you know, they will act if there's an opportunity arises. But I think, you know, that, that element of risk, you're absolutely right to point it out in terms of those those four players have all picked up injuries in the past. I think we'll, you know, we'll see next season whether, you know, the, the, the AI, the Zone 7 stuff that they were using, whether that has a big influence again, was that a huge part of why Liverpool avoided injuries last season? You know, was it the greater rotation? Because I think we saw a lot more of that last season than in previous seasons under Jurgen Klopp. It seemed to be a bit more chopping and changing, and then that that really seemed to protect these players and, and and you know, give them a bit more availability. You know, look at Naby Keïta's injury record up until last season was pretty poor at Liverpool, and. He had his best season in terms of both availability and, and performances. I thought last season, so you know, maybe Liverpool think that wasn't a fluke, and they think that they can continue that. Maybe they think that they can help Thiago avoid injuries. You know, Henderson had a, a really good season for availability as well, and and Fabinho as well. Really, part the odd sort of, you get those odd muscle injuries with him. But I think you know, generally speaking, last season was a you know they did really well, and they, they obviously don't think that that was that was good luck, and they think that they can get by next season. I think. You know, may, may, the, the the proof will be in the pudding, really, in terms of how next season goes. But I think it's obvious to all of us, really, that the, the one area of the squad where you could highlight there's a potential drop off in quality between the the main starters and the ones behind them is is ob- quite obviously midfield. And I think it's something, you know, they could have addressed this summer by, you know, maybe moving a couple on or, or you know. And taking a hit but they, they obviously don't want to do that and we'll, we'll you know we'll see how it goes next season I, I don't I think it's a difficult one to judge because I remember writing it you know quite close to the start of last season that Liverpool had made a mistake in not uh, replacing Jeannie Wijnaldum and then they ended up nearly winning the quadruple so I was completely wrong about that so you know it's very possible that happens again I, I think they could have done a midfield or maybe should have but you know I've been wrong in the past and i am probably be wrong again.
2: Yeah, well, it was the Klopp press conference, wasn't it? After the uh, Chelsea game, I think. And Harvey Elliott started and he had a great game. And um, Klopp took issue to one of the questions saying, do you think you needed a midfielder? And he just went through pretty much all eight options saying, look at the abilities of these players. What is the issue here? We've got eight great players. I think he might have even forgotten to name like Fabinho when he was listing these. But he was going through all of them and said, you show me a player who can improve on anything of this. And then if there is one of those available who's good enough, we will go and get him. Uh, there's always space in a world, uh, squad for a world-class player. He said that before as well. Uh, that's maybe where these Bellingham links you come back to, isn't it? You wait for the world-class player. You wait for the player that is going to make a difference to this team. Yeah, maybe there is a slight drop-off from those starting three, four. But you'd like to think if this season goes well with those five substitutions, Jones plays more, Elliot plays more. They take those next steps. If Elliott didn't have that ankle injury, we'd be seeing him a lot more last season. He would be pushing it and it wouldn't be four players with a couple of kids. It would be five players. If Curtis Jones doesn't get that freak eye injury and then gets COVID, maybe we're saying the same about him. We know the potential they've got. It's just about them making that next step, showing a bit more consistency. And then very quickly, four players competing for the starting roles become six and then we saw how good James Milner did in the back of end of last season to deservedly get this new contract, Oxley chamberlain still knocking around. It, it can go one of two ways here. It can either be are you know, looking a bit short or it's going to be the, the best of selection headaches with Kopp really having a tough decision between these five or six players to pull on a starting Ooh. shirt.
0: I'd, I'd also I that, kind of like to sorry Matt to, to push back go, on the idea yeah. that Bellingham is, is the one that they, they should be signing this summer as well the idea that he comes in and he starts 60 games to Liverpool next season is, is just an absolute nonsense in this moment he he's, he's, isn't ready to do that quite frankly if, if people watched him up close or, or semi-regularly what an unbelievable talent he is and I've got absolutely no doubt that he's going to be a phenomenal midfielder in the long term. And I would love Liverpool to get him even though there is some element of pessimism there. That's not a guarantee by any means given who will be in for him next summer. But the idea that he comes in now and is a guaranteed starter is is a nonsense given the level that Liverpool team is playing at and the, where he is in his career coming to a, back into a much stronger league in the Premier League as well. You know, I, I think he's a phenomenal talent, but I also don't think that he displaces Jordan Henderson every week uh, as things stand. Maybe next year, yes, and the and years ahead of that, he can be an incredible player, but I don't think right now he's the signing who guarantees Liverpool the title in the Champions League. Uh, that just isn't true.
3: I think the issue for me in terms of, of the squad sort of looking at, at what we saw last season isn't necessarily the kind of drop-off, and obviously there is a bit of a drop-off if you don't have Fabinho, you've not got someone as good, but I think, I think it's more a case of, of sort of putting a, a bit of pressure on Jordan Henderson's body to kind of, of do that. I think I'm right in saying he played more than 50 times last season. Obviously, some of those yeah. are, are substitute appearances, but I think you see a much better Jordan Henderson if he doesn't have to be Fabinho's number two and his own position as well. So I think that's that's more the, the concern for me is obviously you've got the injuries, but I think there was... There was probably a couple of different spells last season where you kind of looked at Jordan Henderson, just thought that he looked a little bit tired. I think maybe, maybe that's the way that you'd look at it in terms of the squad. If if you can bring someone in, maybe maybe that is what Belling will be in twelve months' time that can kind of rotate a little bit more as well. I think it's it's probably it's probably not something Jordan Henderson wants to hear, but I think if if you maybe play Jordan Henderson thirty five forty times a season, you get a better version of him, even though you end up seeing him a little bit less.
1: Is, uh, I suppose, their their truth in the fact, maybe uh, I'll ask you, Theo, first, that Liverpool was spoilt last year with having so many of those options, certainly in attack for the second half of the season, in the running as well, and just how well it played into Liverpool's hands, that that realistically isn't the way Liverpool very often operate. They, because they don't have a limitless pot of cash to spend on wages and, and carry such a bloated and large squad, Do have to take these risks. You mentioned before, maybe when Lovren left, they didn't replace him like for like and thought, oh, we'll get through that season. It backfired due to injuries. But last year, first half of the season, maybe did look light in midfield. But then with the arrival of Diaz, going to four strikers on the pitch at times as well, limited the need for how many midfielders they were always playing. And that actually they're not going to have two players for every single position, certainly like Manchester City do. And there are going to have to be corners cut and maybe for the time being, this is the corner that Liverpool see the one fit to to cut almost.
2: Oh, well, let's face it, Who would you a bit of this luck, weren't they? If having uh, these spells where they didn't have enough players available and they were down to, you've got your front three and that's it, or you've got your midfield three and that's it, and then one uh, backup centre-back or... No natural backup right back. They needed this spell where oh everyone's available. I can actually leave players out of the squad or have them on the bench and not need them. Um but the Liverpool squad numbers wise it's the same as last year. And I'd say they do have two players in every position now. They've signed Ramsey, so they've got that natural uh, backup right back. Yes. Who's he's a the backup to Fabinho
1: then? That'd be the one I would say. Oh, Henderson's the backup to Fabinho. But Henderson's a first choice like
2: the... player. Is he though? But yes, he's going to start um, the big games, and at the moment, he's going to this season as first choice. But if Harvey Elliott has the preseason of his life again, and he plays like he was in that first six weeks, he's going to play these games, and he's going to be that rotation that we saw last year anyway, where it was Cater one week, Henderson the next. But you've got these two options you can rotate with them with anyway. So I think it is this season. It's that natural easing out of you're not relying on Henderson as much because you've got Cater and you've got the two younger players that you can pick his games a bit more carefully. And then you can also use him to take Fabinho out of the the games so you can rest him and have Henderson as the number six. You've still got the two players there. Yeah, it's not ideal as having a proper holding midfielder as a like-for-like replacement. But as we're saying, Bellingham wouldn't be that player anyway. Bellingham would be more an eight. It's still, yeah, they've had to be a bit careful. They can't do it all in one summer. It doesn't happen like that. They decided 2022 was the year to overhaul the front line. And they've got the average age of the, the attack down by two years. Uh, they've got what? They've gone from only having Diogo Jota as a long-term contracted player, this time 12 months ago, to only having Salah and Firmino, who might move on in 12 months' time. We know they want to keep Salah. We know Firmino wants to stay. So if that's something they want to do, they can sort that out as well. That They've looked at the attack and they've got that future plan in place where you can say Diaz, Nunes, Cavallo, Elliot, Salah if he stays and then they'll probably sign someone as well if they lose one of those two uh, of the famous front three. And then 2023, that's when they look at the midfield. It's not going to be just one player fixes everything. Like we're going through these options. Uh, well, Milner, he'll be out of contract. Oxlade-Chamberlain's out of contract. Kate is out of contract, even if he signs a new one. Milner's going to be 37 when that deal's up. Henderson Tiago, they're the wrong side of 30. It's a gradual overhaul to get the next younger generation in. But it's more than just signing one midfielder and everything's OK. They will need two or three bodies in there over the next couple of years and then hoping that Elliot and Jones carry on their progression. Fabinho, yeah, he's going to be part of this first-choice midfield for another four or five years, whatever he's contracted for. But then you need an, a natural replacement for him. It's all gradual. Liverpool have got this clear vision and strategy in place behind the scenes that Michael Edwards started. It's now in place as well. Julian Ward. It's the sort of same thing that clubs like Manchester United don't have why it's been chaotic for them off the pitch because they signed players willy-nilly, no vision looking ahead. Like we saw the Cristiano Ronaldo rumours over the weekend linking him with Chelsea. If Chelsea had signed him, it would be the exact same lack of foresight from them. As Klopp said last year, it's not about a team for now. It's about making sure you have a team for three years, four years, five years. That's what Liverpool's doing. You can't just do it with a click of the fingers when you're competing with this Abu Dhabi money that Man City have got or Chelsea's new wealth. They've got to be clever. They've got to take gambles. And it has paid off. The results have spoken for themselves. They've won every major honour going. They were within a goal of winning the Champions League, a goal of winning the Premier League. It's not all going to land for them, but it's going pretty much as well as you can expect in the circumstances, I'd say.
0: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
1: Right, let's move on then to the second part of today's podcast and talking, as Theo did there, Matt, about the contract situation that Liverpool find themselves in. Our colleague Paul Gulst, who will be returning to the Red podcast, I am very sure of indeed, hopefully at the back end of this week. He's just coming back from holiday, but he wrote yesterday, Matt, about Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain heading into the final 12 months of his contract and how important it is that Liverpool make the right decision over him. It, it feels as though using him for the final 12 months of the contract rather than cashing in on the cheap is probably the best option Liverpool have. But there are a number of players that kind of listed at the start that Liverpool are in this situation with more probably than they're entirely comfortable with or that they've they've had this situation happen to before.
3: Yeah, I think, well, firstly with, with Oxlade-Chamberlain, I think it makes sense to keep him as long as, as he's happy to stay. I think if obviously that changes, then maybe things would change for Liverpool, but they'd be far more aware of, of the situation with him in terms of that at this point. I think you know that there is obviously the World Cup to think about. There's certain clubs that you could see Alex Oxley chamberlain going to and, and playing every week and I'm sure there's Probably a, a Jesse Lingard type argument of, if you come here for six months, look at what happened to him when he went to West Ham and kind of got himself into England contention. I don't think it would be absolutely out of the question that Oxlade-Chamberlain could do something similar. I think that there is a player in there. It's It's just not going to happen necessarily for him at, at Liverpool. But yeah, you're right. Obviously, it probably makes more sense for Liverpool to keep him for another 12 months keep him playing in Carabao Cup FA Cup it's not going to be sort of the biggest games that he's going to see but he will still get minutes it's still a very compact fixture schedule and obviously the fact that we don't expect Liverpool to add another midfielder to the ranks in the transfer market this summer means that if you've got one of that quality it maybe makes more sense obviously if it's sort of 10-15 million that they were going to get for him it's not exactly game-changing money for Liverpool so yeah it, it kind of makes sense from his perspective but then yeah you look at the other the other contract situations there's still there's still a lot more to to come in terms of of mohammed salah's contract that's the big one plenty of, of other big decisions as well but i think you know over the next few weeks next few months certainly liverpool are gonna make a bit of progress on the ones that they want to make progress with but the interesting thing will be which ones do they actually want to get done and which ones are they happy to lose on a free because you certainly wouldn't want to lose wouldn't want to lose all of them on a free at once You certainly want to extend certain one or two contracts within that group but yeah it's uh, it's going to be interesting it's going to be tricky as well I think with the, the number of games obviously now leading up to the World Cup I think it's uh, yeah it's going to be a crucial few months for the, the contracts.
1: Yeah definitely Dave in terms of Alex Oxlade Chamberlain what's your viewpoint on it he'll, he'll turn 29 in the first few weeks of the new Premier League season. Should really be a player in the prime years of his career, but we know how injury really has probably robbed him of the potential that he did once show. But in terms of what he can offer for the price Liverpool would get, surely if they were to cash in at 10 15 million, they, would, they wouldn't get a replacement of his quality, no?
0: I, I, I think it's, it's, it's tough to sort of assess his situation really at Liverpool at the moment because i think you know it's almost like the the team moved past him during that period where he was injured you know a, amongst all the other issues that he's faced and he sort of found it really frustrating since then um you know finding any sort of rhythm in terms of playing uh, and getting regular regular game time the team really that sort of moved past him in terms of the style of play um, so, you know, it's hard to say whether, you know, cashing in this summer, whether they would actually miss him. Because I think, you know, you look at his role towards the back end of last season, he was such a reduced role. He didn't get to play much at all. He wasn't even getting on the bench sometimes. So I don't really think it's, I don't think Liverpool are keeping hold of him because they think, oh, well, the money might not be worth it versus what we get back. I, I do think there's still possibly a market for him there. And, um, you know, Liverpool aren't actively out there looking to sell him maybe. But I think there's a, you know, if a decent offer came in, they would certainly come to the table. And I'm sort of surprised really that something hasn't moved on that front earlier really, because I just thought that Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, given how frustrated he looked towards the back end of last season, I thought he would really, you know, really push for a move away. And he, that just doesn't seem to have happened yet. I haven't seen, you know, heard too much reports about interest. You know, maybe it's one for later in the window where clubs look to get a bargain, but, Yeah, I I don't think it's one that Liverpool will fight to keep hold of him because they think that what he can give them is more than what the the money's worth because I I, I really do struggle to see what his role in the the squad would be next season.
1: Yeah, I suppose, Theo, on the contract, I mean, if you, you might be too simplistic for me dividing it like this, but kind of take James Milner out of the equation. In midfield, you've got Nabi Keita and Alex Oxlade Chamberlain both into the, the final 12 months of their deals. And in the forward line, it's Roberto Firmino and Mohamed Salah. Do you see a, a situation where one of each of those? four or two of those four are given new deals and two of them move on because as I say before we've seen Liverpool let players run contracts down and leave don't think we've headed into a season where they've got kind of five players in that situation
2: uh, yeah I suppose we haven't it is uh, not usually something they like to do going down to this last year and when they're in this last year it's uh, normally when the players aren't agreeing anything and you expect them to leave on a free transfer like it, it was pretty obvious Emery Chan was going to go. It was pretty obvious Genie Wijnaldum was going to go. Even Adam Lallana. But there's still that hope that you think, well, I'll agree with something with Salah. Like, he'll be such an important player for them. He's on such people he'll want such big money. But because he's so special, you're hoping there can be a compromise there. With Naby Keita, Klopp's spoken publicly about it, that they want to keep him. And it's just strange now. nothing's been said about Roberto Firmino because he has been so crucial to Liverpool for so long. He was a player who had injuries last year, and he dropped out the starting eleven. Diego Jota's come in, Nunez has come in, Diaz has come in. He's almost been not forgotten, but gone from one of your first names on the team list to not even your first choice striker off the bench. But where he could have a season of his life, and in a few months we'll be talking about how he deserves a new deal. Like Sadio Mane, his form and dropped off, and then he has the end of the season he did, and we're saying, oh, he has to get a new deal until he decides he wants to leave. I think Liverpool they'll look at it. Case by case. Um, like if they want to keep Cater, they should be able to find a way to get him the right deal there. Same for, for Mino. He'll want to stay at the club. The tough one is Mohamed Salah and then Oxley Chamberlain. He's going to have to have an extraordinary season to get a new contract. But I do think there is a, a role for him in this season. Like last year, they had seven forwards for that second half of the season, and Origi, Minamino, they weren't playing as much. Uh, now you've got six, and one of them is Carvalho. Or Oxley Chamberlain, he can go into that front line. He can be that Salah backup almost if you want that senior player there. There are games for him in midfield. It's still going to be hard for him because there's so many players ahead of him in the pecking order. But preseason's a clean slate. You could go in and have a really good preseason, or someone can pick up an injury and get a chance. Like he started last season in the starting eleven, didn't he against uh, Norwich away? But there are going to be opportunities for him. The Champions League games they're going to be every midweek, aren't they? So it's still games coming thick and fast. Klopp wants to rotate, he is there as an option, counts as homegrown. It's one where Liverpool have outgrown the same way that they outgrew Lalana. You look at a player who's loved in the squad, he's versatile, he's homegrown, he brings so much to them, but you know that his time at Liverpool's been, he's had it, his best days are gone, his best to go and move somewhere else and play regularly. But you've still got that role you can get from him that final season, as Liverpool did in uh, 2019-20 with and He scored what could have been a vital goal at Old Trafford if they hadn't stormed their way to the league title anyway. There's still a role for Oxley chamberlain but it's just going to be case for case. You enter the negotiations, which we've been told they're going to do when the players report back for pre-season, see what their plans are and take it from there. It's not just the players are out of contracts next year. It's the ones in 2024 as well, like Joe Gomez. Are going to be discussions across the board there, and they'll see what they're doing. This is one of the things Julian Ward was tasked with. We've seen this first great Jurgen Klopp Liverpool team; it's won the Premier League, won the Champions League. It feels like that chapter's over now with Mane leaving, Ronaldo the year before. It's about saying well, who's here for this next chapter, and then tying down the players you can to long-term contracts, and then making plans to replace the ones who aren't part of that.
1: Yeah, definitely, and I, I suppose as you say, the uh, transfer business this summer maybe divided into two, make sure the arrivals are here before the players report back for, for pre-season. Julian Ward gets a week to put his feet up and then the players report back and the contract negotiations begin for those whose contracts are maybe beginning to run down. But Matt, it's easy saying that Liverpool have moved past Oxlade-Chamberlain, his time's up. There's not something he can can offer. I mean, as Theo said there about Adam Lallana and you even look at James Milner as he's kind of grown and developed and I'm sure Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, albeit closing in on... 29 will feel he's had at least two seasons of his career taken from him. And if if Jude Bellingham or a player like that is to arrive next summer, that would be a, another very young midfielder there. Surely from Henderson Tiago moving on, there's going to need to be a kind of link there. I'm not saying oxlade Chamberlain's going to be a player who'll play every week, but did play 29 times in all competitions last season for Liverpool, and surely as he progresses with the experience he has, he can even help those younger players develop further along the line until they really are the top elite level performers that Liverpool require.
3: Yeah, I take your point. I mean, what was it, 29 appearances did you say for him last season? I mean, how many of those can you, can you actually remember how many of them did he make a, an impact that really made you think he had to be in the starting eleven next week? I think that's that, that's the difficult question for him. Really, is that he's sort of had these opportunities and hasn't really taken them and not really I agree made anyone. That point.
1: I agree on that point. The the, the point I'm making more is kind of if he's happy to take comfort in it. I mean, off the field, he seems to be very settled and happy being in the Northwestern things. Is if he wants to be a player who almost take on the Origi role of the midfield, except he's going to be a squad player and stick around at Liverpool and be part of hopefully more and more years of, of these golden years under Jurgen Klopp.
3: Yeah, again, I, I can see the appeal, but I, I just think maybe there's one or two other players in the squad that can be that. I think for for the time being, James Milner will be that next season. Beyond that, you'd look at probably Jordan Henderson can be that. Thiago certainly can be that. Naby Keita, if we think he's more likely to get a contract. Well, he certainly is more likely to get a contract than, than Alex Oxlade chamberlain He's in that kind of middle ground between the over-30s and the, the kind of teenagers or, or early-20s players. And I think, to be honest as well, you're you sort of looking... A year down the line even someone like Jude Bellingham, i know he'll still only be a teenager he? Or, or maybe just turn 20 by that point or whatever it might be but when he's had a couple of seasons at dortmund he'd be coming in as, as a big player you look know, at someone like harvey elliott and curtis jones i mean they need they need guidance and, and sort of senior players to an extent but they're not you know they're, they're really they're not kate gordon they're not just sort of emerging with another season under their belt as well i mean curtis what will that be three seasons for, for him at senior level at, at liverpool so I take your point, I, I just don't see how it's appealing enough really to, to Liverpool in terms of, of needing that player. And to be honest, I don't really see how it's it's appealing to him as well. I know there's there's obviously the, the Origi case that sort of seems to to be almost an anomaly in that he didn't really play much. He, he lasted far longer at Liverpool than, than what we thought he might do. I just think, I get the impression that Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain should be playing a lot, lot more. And I think... Ultimately, as well, he's he's one of those players that if you play him every week, you probably start to see a little bit of, of the real Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain again. I think that will always be in the back of his mind. But obviously, if you're playing once every three months, it's it's never going to be the case. He's never going to get that rhythm and, and regularity that he needs. So, yeah, for me, I think for his career, but for Liverpool as well, it, it does just make sense to whether it's, you know, at the end of his, his contract or whatever. I think it does make sense to, to kind of... Move the the separate ways. He's been he's been unfortunate in an, in an injury sense, but I also just think this Liverpool team the, the midfield as much as we'd all quite like Jude Bellingham this summer rather than next summer. I would think it's fair to say. I think you know even without him, Oxley Chamberlain, it's it, it's probably just sailed a little bit too far for his ability level.
0: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
1: Let's move on on the contract front. Then, and final point before we go, we've we've done. Friday's Q&A, we didn't talk about it at all then and we've got 35 minutes or so through today. Theo's smiling, he knows exactly where I'm going. <laughs> David, you've got the unenviable task about being asked about Mohamed Salah's contract situation. I mean, heading into the final 12 months, at what point do you think Liverpool do have to, to look at it and, and draw the line and say, right, this is when we target negotiations for? To me, looking at it, it would look like the World Cup would be the ideal point, but equally... Does that come at a weird time for Liverpool in terms of, I suppose, if you're negotiating a deal on the club's behalf, you look to do it now when he's been out of form rather than we know how blisteringly he started last season. And with a rest, if he starts this coming season as strongly come November, he he could be a very difficult man to tie down if his contract demands aren't going to reduce
0: yeah i I think there's you know it's never ending really this stuff is always going on in the background there's no sort of pause to it or anything like that i think you know they're always in talks with the agent the agents are always busy and 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 sal's agent in particular is, is dedicated solely to him so there's there's always that spare time there he's not looking at other transfers and things like that or distracted by anything else so you know i think this this whole situation is is still ongoing i think the, the, you mentioned the November break, where when the World Cup comes around, that that is going to be significant. From a conversation I had this week, is that. You know the, the club think that if it gets to that point, then it's very, very unlikely that he, he goes on to sign a new deal. I mean, you can never say never, I suppose, these things have happened. But I, I, you know, I would mention that even in fact, even getting into final 12, 12 months of a deal, it's very rare that you get situations where players do end up signing. I know in recent history, we've seen maybe Kylian Mbappe has done it at PSG, and I do remember Mesut Ozil doing the same thing at Arsenal, but it, it doesn't happen particularly frequently. So I think, you know, this, this summer would be just an ideal time for both parties to get it done. I think there is willing, willingness for compromise on both sides. So it's, it's possible, but, you know, whether they can bridge that gap remains to be seen. But, yeah, I think getting to that November uh, World Cup break, if there's no no agreement by then, then I, I think we really are looking at the, the possibility of Mohamed Salah leaving on a, a free transfer, which, given he's, he's made public, the, the fact that he would, happily remain in the Premier League is, you know, a bit of a disastrous outcome for Liverpool or, or really could be unless they've got this one really right and, you know, you let him go on a free transfer in 12 months and then his, his career nose dies. But at the moment, it's quite t- tough to see that happening.
1: Yeah, definitely. Theo, I know you were very happy to go on record about Gini Wijnaldum heading into the final 12 months of his deal. I'm not going to press you on the same thing with Mohamed Salah, but what Dave says there seems very logical that it is kind of by by November or, or by December, when the the players come back for the game on Boxing Day, there needs to be a resolution to this. No, it can't. This can't take over the whole of this season's chat as it did last season.
2: Um, ideally, not. But then Mohamed Salah always feels like a player who's the exception for Liverpool. If ever there was a player in that squad who were, they will have the Mbappe scenario for, where it looks like he's off until that eleventh hour, and it is Salah, like you can't really give up on trying to persuade him to stay. Like Liverpool, like I mentioned earlier, they've got this vision strategy to have a long-term plan for this continued success and that's why they have been refreshing the squad with the attack in the field. But this because of Salah's abilities, he is the exception to that. They are willing to make him part of this future, despite the fact that he is now at the wrong size of 30, whereas they've been more willing to let Mane and Firmino go. Uh, it's one where I was quite confident saying, wasn't I, that I can't see Ronaldo staying. This one, I just can't call it either way. I think it depends what offers are on the table for Mo Salah. He's got his wage demands, which seem to be too much for Liverpool. But then it's how much can other sides afford them in, well, when they can speak to him properly in six months' time? You'll have to wait everything up then. You can understand why he's waiting until that, because then I have his pick of the market. He'll get a big signing on bonus. And then he's just got to see what's best for him. He's happy to stay in the Premier League. Where will you really go? Like it'd have to be a club in the Champions League. So top four places, we're talking five, six teams can do that. And um, City can't see that happening. United's never going to happen. Arsenal, Spurs is a drop-off and they can't afford him. So then it's what? Chelsea you can maybe accept because he's going back to his former club. He can have some unfinished business there. But still, that looks like a, a drop-down. Like he knows he's in a good place at Liverpool and in terms of the Premier League, it's not going to get better for him. Maybe Barcelona will find a way to do a deal or he could replace Messi at Paris Saint-Germain. All this comes into it. But it just depends what he wants to do. What Liverpool, He knows what Liverpool's offer is. They know what his demands are. But if the offers from elsewhere aren't to his taking, maybe we will be in April time and go, you know what, I will actually stay with Liverpool. We'll find this compromise. Um, he deserves to be... depending on how
1: strong sp- their season is, Newcastle United? Yeah. If yeah. they were to get, they were <laughs> to get European football and they paid his wage demands, be a Premier League... He,
2: he said in the past, it's not just about money. Like We know he wants to win Ballon d'Or. He wants to win the Premier League. He wants to win the Champions League. It's about winning that continued success. He isn't young enough to go to Newcastle at the start of the project. Like when he joined Liverpool, that was the start of the project. He is wanting to be one that is winning those titles year after year. That's partly why Mane has gone to Bayern Munich, because he knows he's going to win the Bundesliga every year. And he knows Champions League chances aren't dropping off necessarily by trading Liverpool to Bayern. There are a few teams that give Salah what he wants to give him that platform, the Ballon d'Or. It's going to be a tough one for both parties to come to. He's going to have to budge on his demands, but and Liverpool probably are too. He's on, what, 200k, if you believe the report's at the moment, a week. Um, You'd imagine he'll need to be over 300 to stand any chance of signing new terms. Maybe there's like compromise you can do where you pay him a certain wage for the first season, higher for the second, higher for the third. I think they did similar for... Luis Suarez, when they, they tried to keep him in, uh, beyond 2014 before realising he was going to go anyway. Um, they're going to have to be quick. They're going to have to be nimble to get something done. It'll be the toughest test of uh, Julian Ward's abilities. No baptism of fire for him here.
1: Yeah, no, final take then, Matt, on it. Just how exceptional then, if if Mohamed Salah is the exception to the rule, how exceptional is he for Liverpool too. I suppose it would be smash a, a wage structure that has been so carefully put together, especially over the last twelve months of tying down the the calibre of players they have, which, quite frankly, to minuscule for what maybe some other play uh, some of the clubs would pay them. Their talents perhaps deserve. <laughs>
3: Yeah, that's, that's the question they've got to answer, isn't it? It's to what extent do you push the boat out? Because, I mean, let's be honest, if he signed a three-year deal on a big big contract and continued at a similar level for another three seasons, we could be sat here in three years having a similar conversation of what the Liverpool do next. Could he go to Manchester City at the age of 33? Something like that isn't you know completely out of the question. So, yeah, it's it's just something that Liverpool have, have got to weigh up. I think that the only thing that I can really add to, to what the other guys have said is that for me obviously Liverpool can can cope with losing Sadio Mane I think that's that's one of those deals which that there's enough players out there obviously they think that Darwin Nunez and Luis Diaz can be you know enough to kind of compensate for the loss of, of goals that Mane has been scoring but you know, Mohamed Salah is is just a different level completely you look at, at the last couple of seasons I think I think I read his, his average number of goals in a season for Liverpool is is over 30 in the time that he's been there it's it's just a, a completely different stratosphere to, to anybody else so yeah for me it, it remains the case it would be a mistake to, to let him go but i suppose the other thing as well is he's, he's got to be a little bit careful in terms of of what he wants his liverpool legacy to be obviously the longer this drags on and, and goes into the next season that's not going to be ideal but if he goes to manchester city or, or goes to chelsea I, I think people look at his, his legacy at, at liverpool completely differently and to be honest i don't i don't really think that he would do that because of, of that reason really i don't think he's he's daft enough to, to not realize that that would be the case i think he's he's been in england long enough to know the the kind of differences within the, the sort of fan bases of, of Manchester City and Liverpool and, and all of that kind of thing. Obviously, he's going to put it out there that he'd be open to that as a kind of, of negotiating position. Obviously, his agent has, has made it fairly clear that he'd be open to moving to a city. But I think as much as anything else, that's probably just to, to put the pressure onto Liverpool. Whether he'd actually end up doing that, I think is is probably a little bit harder to, to kind of see. A, I can certainly see a Real Madrid or a Barcelona, or certainly Real Madrid, maybe not Barcelona with the, the finances being appealing to him but can you really see him at City or Chelsea I'm I'm not sure that I can I don't think he'd be that daft
1: or Newcastle United who knows
3: we'll have <laughs> no, to wait and they're see, not getting man. in the top four <laughs>
1: <laughs> well 12 months he is he's gonna have to make a decision within that time that wraps us up though for this edition of the Blood Red podcast from myself Guy Clark Matt Addison Theo Squires and David Lynch thanks for your time and your company it's bye for now